he then just being a good guy reached out to the Boston head coach and just said, you know, Hey, we couldn't pick up this kid, Sean, but he's a good player, you know, and he seems like he really wants to play. So if you want to invite him to your training camp, that wouldn't be a bad idea. So then I don't know, a week or two later, I got an email from our then general manager just saying, Hey, Sean, want to let you know that we just picked you up and, you know, training camp starts on Saturday. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Sean Lawton, who is a lacrosse pro for the Boston Cannons, which is the professional lacrosse team in Boston, Massachusetts. So in this episode, Sean, first of all, will explain to us what lacrosse is and how you play. If I don't know if you're like me, but I was a total novice. So like, I know you hold a stick and you throw a ball, but I did not really know anything else about lacrosse aside from that. So Sean will give us the whole lowdown on lacrosse if you do not know that. And then he will discuss trying to become a pro in a sport like lacrosse. There are obviously a lot of people that would like to be professional athletes for a living and very few people get to do it and sean has a very inspirational story for how it is that he became a pro and his whole path for becoming a pro um so i think whether or not you want to be a professional athlete you will get a lot out of sean's story and sean's advice and stuff like that so without further ado here is lacrosse pro sean thanks much for coming on the show today blake thanks for having me man yeah absolutely so to start out, I think you have to explain to us how it is that you even play lacrosse because not a lot of people ever get the opportunity to play lacrosse. It's not like something that uh, a lot of high schools like have lacrosse teams and stuff like that. Like I know my high school did not it's not something you just play in PE or anything. So like how the heck do you actually play? Yeah. So me personally, how I got into the sport at least or how... You know, people from my area get into the sport. The Northeast is way bigger into lacrosse. So I was going to ask you, know, you this. Yeah. 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 So you saying that from being from the West Coast, that makes a lot of sense. But around me, lacrosse is it's not one of the major sports, but it is a sport that a ton of kids play. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that I would say most high schools have. I would say at this point, 80 percent of high schools have. So I was fortunate enough that my freshman year of high school was my high school's first year of having the sport. So, you know, we had a youth program that built us up and we played then. And I was lucky enough that even though I went to public school, they had it my first year. That's so so crazy. And it went on to like change your life. And it's just a random thing that they happen to add the year that you went there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So and how I got into it was essentially my next door neighbors were playing and, you know, we ended up putting a, a net in between mine and their houses. And after a ton of broken fences and broken windows, you know, we're here today. (laughs) that's great man so for weirdos like me that live on the west coast or people listening in other areas of the world what is it like i know that there's sticks and stuff but just explain all of it and explain the rules and stuff like that yeah so it's a combination i would say most people say of soccer and hockey where it's it's on a big turf field a little bit bigger than a football field um it's six on six essentially on a half of the field it's 10 on 10 but certain people can't cross half. So it's six on six. 
there's a lot of specialization. So there's three attackmen for each team, which is guys who stay on offense, three defenders for each team, which guys have the big six foot poles. They cover those attackmen. And then there's three midfielders from each team. So those midfielders can go to each side of the field. So no matter where you go, it's going to be six on six with a goalie. So once in a while, an attackman will run onto the defensive side or a defender will take the ball into offense. So that means, you know, someone on the midfield has to stay back. But past that, it's really just, you know, six on six against the goal, you know, with the goalie as well, trying to score. Every time you score, there's a face-off, kind of similar to a hockey face-off, but a little bit more physical. And then it's four quarters of 15 minutes. When you say face-off, that is like a jump ball in basketball or something. That's where they're kind of like, yeah. So so what a face-off, to boil it down, a face-off is you put the ball on the complete center line of the field. Two guys are lined up with their lacrosse sticks very close to it. You blow the whistle, and those guys battle for the ball. So, you know, a face-off, a scrum is a very, very physical part. Uh, you have to be very tough to be a face-off guy. And that face-off is just 3v3 until someone picks up the ball. Once someone picks up the ball, then boom, we're playing 6v6 on whatever side of the field it's on. But How does that uh, usually go down? Like, when, when the whistle gets blown or if people are allowed to go for the ball, like, rather than going for the ball, do they sooner just, like tackle the other person or something to stop that guy from getting the ball it if you if you watch lacrosse and you're not super knowledge you know knowledge based on lacrosse that's what it looks like because the face off uh you line up with your stick backwards and you literally just punch at the ball those two guys do so a face off guy looks like you know like a running back in football they're most of the time they're really really strong you know you know strong cores stuff like that but Ideally, you either want to make it a ground ball, whereas, you know, it's just an open ball who's someone, whoever scoops it up first wins, or you want to get your stick over it first. So that's, you know, there's guys who their full-time jobs are face-off guys. So you're, it's what's called a FOGO. So you'll literally, you face off, you win your team the ball, and then you get off the field. And there's, a, you know, there's a handful of guys in the world that do that for their full-time jobs. sub you out with somebody else. Man, that's so weird. Um Okay, so I have a whole bunch more questions about this. Let's try to break this down further. So, first of all, what size sticks are you using? And then what size is the net portion on the end of the stick that you hold the ball with? And does this differ depending on what position you have on the field? Yes, so that definitely does differ. Um, So, most guys on the field will have a three-foot pole. So, it looks like, you know, the the size of a baseball bat. And then that has, I would say head, I think a head's probably at one foot. And that that head holds the the mesh, which is the stringing that holds the ball. So most guys have that. If you're on offense or if you're a midfielder, that's what you have. If you're a defenseman, you have a six foot pole. So that's you know exactly what it looks, what exactly what you think. It's a six foot you know titanium or metal shaft with a one foot he- or a, yeah, I think a six foot pole or a five foot pole with a one foot head on the top, and those are for defensemen. And then goalies have their shafts a little bit in between it's a little bit longer than a short stick and their head is much wider their heads this you know probably the the diameter of a basketball so then they're in charge of obviously saving the ball right now explain those defensemen to me that doesn't make much sense i could understand where a defenseman would want a bigger head on it but the head is the same as the attack people yet the stick is longer like who cares if you have a longer stick what what are you going to do with it so a lot of the physicality in lacrosse actually doesn't come from, you know, body on body, like hip checks or shoulder checks. A lot of it comes from cross checks. So 
cross checks and you know hitting people with your stick. You you can you know it, the the physicality gets higher as you get to a higher level, but you know at certain leagues, if you're trying to hit or looks like you're trying to hit the other player's gloves or stick, you can pretty much swing as hard as you want at that person. So you know that gives the defenseman distance that they can use, and then when they're cross checking someone, which is essentially you know pushing them with the shaft, you want that width so they can't get by you. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's talk about the physicality piece. What sort of padding do you guys have? What is allowed? What's not allowed in terms of like body on body contact? And then yeah, get a little bit more in depth in terms of the things that people will do with their sticks. Like, could you just like rear back like it's a baseball bat and just hit someone with your stick? So to answer that question first, if it if you if the ref hears that stick hit the other person's stick. You know, if, if if I'm holding my stick in an obvious position and I, yeah, I could baseball swing and hit your stick. If I baseball swung and hit you in the head, that's easily going to be a penalty. Or if I hit you straight in the back, that's definitely going to be a penalty. But if it looks like you're trying to just dislodge the ball, then yeah, you can essentially do whatever you want. Okay. At the same time, if you're baseball swinging over and over again, most likely that's when you're going to get beat. You know, if you're, cause you're taking too much time to, you know, do that type of swing and right. yeah, penalties are more likely, but so for padding, everyone's wearing a helmet. Uh, similar, it's it's similar to a football helmet, but a little bit more sleek, a little bit more aerodynamic looking. Then everyone's wearing gloves, like hockey gloves, elbow pads, which vary in size. If you're an offensive guy, you want bigger elbow pads because you're the one getting hit hit by stuff, hit by sticks. If you're a defenseman, <laughs> right, right. If you're a defenseman, you're really just going for lightweight. So those guys have little tiny elbow pads on most of the time, and then. Pretty much every level of play, you're wearing shoulder pads. So in the pros, for whatever reason, most guys don't wear shoulder pads. Um, and those shoulder pads aren't they aren't as big and bulky as football pads. They're really a lot of guys try to have them as light as possible. You know, they cover you know the, the tops of your shoulders. They cover down to just below your chest. If 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 that, you know, I'm a taller guy, so mine covered <clears throat> just my chest. And then a little bit of my back. So it really doesn't help against much. Some slashes it'll help against, but... Um, so that's, that's why it, now that you're pro, like a lot of people don't wear them probably, I guess, is it doesn't even yeah, help that much. Yeah, exactly. It's just more of a comfortable, you know, at this point, you know, we, we know what we're doing, but they just don't protect against that much. Goalies wear a chest protector, which is uh, a little bit bigger. So it literally just kind of looks like a pad that covers, you know, from your, I guess your groin area all the way up to your neck. Cause those guys, you know, those guys are getting hit by hundred mile an hour balls. Yeah. Like a catcher in baseball or something. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of, kind of similar to that a little bit more sleek cause they have to, they're moving around more than a catcher, but it's very it sounds similar. like everything you guys have is just more sleek and cooler looking than other sports. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, pads, <laughs> is a, pads, pads and, you know, looking good in your pads is, a little too important for lacrosse. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a big part. You got You have to look good in what you're wearing. That's for sure. <laughs> that's good. Glad to hear it. Um, all right. So I feel like I understand this a little bit. Uh, what do the games average in terms of scoring and stuff? Is it is it like a soccer match where it's like you know the scores end up at like one to two, or is it you know closer to, to a baseball or even like a football game or something? I would. You know, baseball is not a bad comparison where baseball, you can have a 12 to zero game and you can also have a two to zero game, but it's kind of in its own realm in terms of all the major sports. It's definitely not like soccer. I mean, the lowest scoring game I think I've ever been in was six to four. 
Um, but you'll get that in you know a high school or a college game. In the pros, it's most of the times it's high teens, so it's you know 17 to 16. Um, and then college is the same. College, a slow game could be you know a 9-8 game or something like that. But then you'll also see college games that are 20 to 15 stuff like that. Okay. And then how long is this being played for to reach those scores? And how's it broken up? So it's four quarters of 15 minutes and then overtime is sudden death. So overtime is first person to score wins. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Um, all right, let's talk about becoming a good lacrosse player and just being a good lacrosse player. So I know you, you're a really big dude. I imagine that had something to do with the fact that you went pro in, in lacrosse and were able to go pro. Um, is that so I feel like depending on what the sport is, your body composition dictates uh, like to what extent you can be good at that sport. A sport like baseball or something, I feel like it matters so much less, and it's just you constantly playing baseball to get good at baseball. A sport like basketball, it's like if you're seven feet tall, you can probably play basketball like a pro level or something, you know, if you like really cared and like wanted to. Uh, what is it like for lacrosse? Is it a ton of huge dudes running around or are there also smaller guys that can play? Yeah, I would say in that sense, it's more like baseball where you, you don't you never see a guy on the street and you say, oh, that that guy must be a lacrosse player. You know, there's the guys who are the best in the world. They range from small and very fast and quick to guys my size. So I would say, yeah, more like baseball, because in lacrosse is one of the sports where if you're not practicing the fundamentals and the fine-tuned part of it, you're not going to go anywhere fast. So there's, you know, there's what most guys say is uh, wall ball, which is essentially as simple as it sounds. You have a ball and a stick, you know, and you're just playing pass with yourself off of a wall. And if you're not doing that in lacrosse in your developmental years and even when you're in the pros, you're not going to be one of the best players. So I would say skills go into it more than physicality, and there's a spectrum of physical you know types that go into the sport so you mentioning the wall ball makes me think that we didn't discuss the ball at all how big is it and then is it bouncy or solid so like if you were to throw a baseball against a wall it's just going to drop down it's not going to bounce back at you so like what i guess is the consistency of the ball and then how big is it so the ball is a tiny bit smaller than a baseball you know, um, uh, you could put a, a baseball on your stick. It would be a, a little bit big. So, yeah, a, a little bit smaller than a baseball. And, yeah, it's bouncy. It's made of, as far as I know, 100% rubber. So it'll bounce off of essentially anything, you know. Um, so all around, really similar to a tennis ball then, like size-wise, bouncy-wise? Yes, I would say the, the same exact size as a tennis ball, but actually much bouncier because it's rubber. It's essentially, you know, a big bouncy ball. And the density of a lacrosse ball is much more than it than a than a tennis ball so you can um, get like hurt if someone just hurls it at you oh yeah for sure the lacrosse goalies um you should do another podcast with a lacrosse goalie because they're another <laughs> breed mentally um they're all you know crazy in their own way because the balls you know guys in the college and pros are throwing the ball you know 90 to 110 miles an hour almost every single shot so to get hit by one of those and a com- just a complete ball of rubber is absolutely insane to me. Yeah. And there are their legs also padded or their legs aren't really padded? No, their legs aren't padded at all. So, And they're in a squatter position just waiting for that ball. So if it hits them in the leg or the kneecap or something like that, they just eat it and they move on. <laughs> Damn, that sounds terrible. Yeah, they're crazy. Yeah. 
All right. So let's talk about your sort of progression in lacrosse. Obviously, you uh, started to get very good at it in high school. Um, what is it like? I've never had another like college athlete or anything like that on the show so far. So if you can give us a little glimpse into what it's like when you're good at something in high school to then try to get um, like accepted for that in college and have like teams looking at you for, for colleges. Yeah. So I played at a, a high school around here that wasn't known for lacrosse. We had a really a sprint for spring sports. We had a really good baseball team. So our lacrosse team, just due to that being a small town, wasn't as good. Uh, so when I realized that I wanted to try to play in college, I had to play for a travel team, which is essentially most people know what an AAU basketball team is. Yeah. It's, you know, a bunch of travel kids from random towns who are, um, you know, the best one of the best players in their town. And they play against other teams from different states and stuff like that. So I played for one of those. It was called uh, it was called the EMAS Minutemen, so Eastern Massachusetts Minutemen. Now it's called Laxachusetts. Um, so I played for them. We traveled around to, to some tournaments, and it's half coaches reaching out to you, half you reaching out to coaches just for the type of school you'd want to go to in terms of academics and in terms of, you know, I think I could play here. So I did that for a while, but I, I did it pretty late in my high school years, so either because of that or because my skill just wasn't as high as it should have been, I got reached out to by some lower-level D1 schools and then some higher-level D3 schools. So I ended up going to a a pretty high-level D3 school called Western New England. Um, And so I played there for four years. I didn't want to give up lacrosse after I graduated, and I wasn't offered anything in the pros or anything like that. So I actually went and I played over in Australia for – uh, three or four months and then i came back to the u.s and that's when i ended up playing for the for the cannons in boston wait that's so interesting so how did you like how did you get in touch with the pro team the cannons and like if they did like were you even though they didn't draft you were they still talking to you a little bit when you were in college or was it not until you went to australia that they started talking to you like how, how'd that all go down so the way that happened was when I got back from Australia, I, you know, I kept I, I like working out and I like training and stuff like that. So I kept that up. And then a team in the same league as me that's down in Chesapeake called the Chesapeake Bayhawks. They had an open tryout for guys who were in the draft. So guys who were in the draft the year before but didn't get drafted, they could go to this uh, tryout and I think they were trying to take two guys like a face-off guy and a midfielder to then invite to their training camp so what happened was at the end of that you know I played I played well and I was happy with how I played but there was a, another player from University of North Carolina who above and beyond just you know killed it just did very well and everyone was pretty pretty it was pretty well known that he was going to make the team but luckily after the tryout was over, you know, I was just getting, putting my stuff in my bag. Their head coach came over to me and he said, um, Hey Sean, where are you from? And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm from Boston. I live there now. So he said, you know, he kind of nodded and walked away. So I, I'm, I'm, what I'm assuming is pretty easy to assume. He, he then just being a good guy reached out to the Boston head coach and just said, you know, Hey, we couldn't pick up this kid, Sean, but he's a good player, you know, and he seems like he really wants to play. So if you want to invite him to your training camp, that wouldn't be a bad idea. So then, I don't know, a week or two later, I got an email from 
our then general manager just saying, hey, Sean, want to let you know that we just picked you up and, you know, training camp starts on Saturday. That is awesome, man. So you're a really positive guy. So you didn't mention any of the negativity throughout any of this, but I can't imagine that that's like a very easy process to go through mentally. No, definitely not. But at the same time, being a guy, a kid from, you know, a town that wasn't great at lacrosse and going to a D3 school as opposed to a D1 school, I couldn't expect much. You know, I didn't come out of school expecting to get a call from a bunch of teams. I didn't come out of high school expecting to get full rides to a bunch of really good schools. So, you know, that there's also that, of course. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So let's talk about where you are at now and sort of what things are like for, I would imagine, like the quote unquote majority of pro lacrosse players. So um, I, I tried to pull up a list the other day online of the top however many most popular sports in the United States. And lacrosse wasn't even on the list. It was like the top 15 most popular sports. And, you know, number 15 was like bowling or something like And then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I've actually seen bowling on ESPN. Like, and I don't know that I've ever seen lacrosse on ESPN, you know, unless it's like, what, like a top 10 plays or something like that, you know? Um, So I would have to imagine that the bankroll isn't like out of control for lacrosse players, uh, like the majority of the lacrosse players on the team. So first of all, what is it like for the majority of people? Um, and then it like in terms of like, I guess income and, and like any sort of any sort of money that you're making as a lacrosse player. And then are there people that are pro lacrosse players that are like the Tom Brady's of lacrosse and what are they doing income wise? Yeah. So me personally, I'm not one of the Tom Brady's of lacrosse. Most people don't describe me as that. So I like, I would say the majority or half of the league, I, you know, I work a full-time job and on, you know, after work is when I'm training or lifting or playing lacrosse. And then during the season, what that looks like is essentially, you know, I work my regular work week and then after work on Friday, I will then go to practice. So for majority of the league that means traveling you know if you live in new york city it means taking a train to boston because that's who you play for or if you live in boston and play for the team in atlanta you're flying right out of work to go practice in atlanta so i can't believe that's even a thing why would everyone not just immediately move to the city in which they got drafted or to like the team they were playing that's crazy yeah no it's crazy but you know it's 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 work you gotta you gotta you gotta do your full-time job first obviously so Um, but at the same time, a lot of guys, their full-time jobs are in lacrosse. So a lot of guys are college coaches or they're just doing a bunch of clinics and camps and stuff like that using their name or, you know, just stuff like that. So what are, so then Friday night we practice and then, you know, the games are on the weekends and they'll fly you home on Sunday and you go back to work on Monday. Wow. That's wild. So because of the fact that everyone still, for the most part needs to work, uh, the only team practice is is one day a week and that's it yeah I, I speaking for the team that i've played for that's the case i've heard rumors that other teams are allowed to get together more often that might be more of a captain's practice which is you know is the guys getting together and not a team funk you know a team sanctioned event mm-hmm. but yeah for the most part it's friday night practice get ready for the game saturday morning you know a walk through shoot around you know get get the blood moving and then you play a game Saturday night. Now, a couple questions on that. Uh, first of all, 
how long is the season? So like, how long is that going to be the, like what you guys are doing? And then, uh, how, how condensed like are the travelers? Like you, you already mentioned that the East coast, it's like much more popular to play lacrosse there than it is on the West coast. How many teams are there out here? Like, do you have to do cross country flights to like play a team in San Francisco or something? Or is it for the most part, you're traveling around the East coast? So to answer your, to answer your first question. So, um, so the season starts in March, March is where pretty much every team has their training camp. And that's a couple weekends of, you know, two days and stuff like that. And that's where they're winding down their roster to who they want to actually have on the team. And then the first game last year, the first game was April 23rd. And then the last game is late August. So that's kind of how the season runs. So it's essentially, you know, summer. It's pretty much all summer. Mm-hmm. So there has been more travel than there is now, I guess, in terms of miles. There's been a team in L.A. called the L.A. Riptide. That was before my time. That was I was probably in middle school or something like that. But right now, I would say the biggest travel, you know, there's teams in Boston. There's teams in so Boston, New York, Charlotte, Atlanta. There's a team in Denver. And then there's a team new this year. So this will be the first year uh, in Dallas. So, I mean, Denver's, you know, Denver's West Coast, I assume, right? You guys consider that West Coast? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say Boston to Denver is pretty far. Atlanta is a, you know, there's a team in Florida. So it's majority West, majority East Coast, and then Denver and now Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's what, only eight teams then? There's, oof. If I get this wrong, MLL people are going to kill me. <laughs> so there's, I think there's ten teams. There's, I don't want to, I don't need to go over it right now, but I think there's ten teams in the league. Okay, so then how do the playoffs work when you have such a thin amount of of regular teams, anyways? Um, so the playoffs, the way the playoffs work is there's at the end of the year, essentially the top four teams who have the best record make playoffs, and then there's a, a final four. So that's pretty much how it goes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, just what's your general sense and feeling? Is it that lacrosse is getting more popular? It's getting less popular or that it's just kind of the same as it was like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So it's definitely getting more popular. Um, when I was growing up, when I, when I was picking up the stick, it was the, everyone said it was, you know, it was the fastest growing sport in America. I think if I'm right, the fastest growing sport in America now might be mixed martial arts. But it's definitely up there and, you know, in terms of percentage of growth as one of the biggest sports in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for being honest, you know, things like, you know, in, you know, social media and doing this podcast and stuff like that, they're, they're hopes of spreading the, the league. So, you know, we're adding teams to the league every couple of years, you know, trying new areas. So, you know. If, if we're being optimistic, yeah, it's definitely a, a growing sport, man. And not that this is a good thing by any stretch but i would imagine that there's some impact and might be more of an impact going forward with all of the worry about head trauma with football like football is is by far the most popular sport in america and there's tons of high school you know every high school has a football program you know but they you know as more and more news comes out about problems with head trauma concussion stuff like that people are going to still and parents are, you know, going to want their kids to be able to play a sport that's fun, that they get to run around on a field, that they get to like run into each other a little bit, and it has like that little elements of violence that that a lot of people seem to like, and that a lot of boys like when they're growing up. But it's not it's so serious that you know 
it has these these ramifications later in life like football we're now seeing does yeah definitely um so lacrosse the the majority of the you know the injuries or the the bruises and bumps that you're going to get from lacrosse are just going to be bruises on you know your wrists and your shoulders and stuff like that so the wrists are just from you know slashes and shoulders is more from just cross-checking people so obviously that's not going to have ramifications down the line so yeah no definitely i mean we're wearing helmets and stuff like that but getting hit and getting concussions is not nearly as common as football yeah yeah um what is your perception about the popularity of lacrosse internationally like we already said that on the the east coast of the united states it's definitely more popular than on the west coast you recently got to take a trip to japan which you'll tell us about in just a little bit but uh like what was your sense of the popularity there and obviously you already played in australia and stuff like just what is kind of your sense in different countries of the world and in the popularity of lacrosse there yeah so it's definitely i mean it's growing around the world for sure uh, the best thing about playing lacrosse internationally and meeting the guys who play internationally is they are so passionate. So, you know, the, all the guys in Australia are extremely passionate about lacrosse. The people in Japan are like humorously passionate about lacrosse. You know, they they absolutely loved having us there. They were great people, All you know, very happy the whole time. So it's big. I would say lacrosse in the United States and Canada is where it's at. You know, it's it's I guess it's. According to that article, not a top 15 sport, but I think that's probably arguable. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, totally. It's, it's one of the biggest sports in Canada and the U.S. And then past that, Australia is probably number three. I know England is, you know, they have they have a good following there. Ireland is pretty big. So it's it's growing, but it's not in, you know, it's definitely not in most countries of the world. Yeah, for sure. So uh, tell us all about the trip that you just recently took to Japan. If you could just kind of go over why you were there in the first place and then just what the whole experience was like for you. Yeah, definitely. So what happened was the lacrosse company that sponsors myself for my sticks, it's called String King. They're actually based out of uh, L.A. They were reached out to, um, for they've done some work in Japan, um, just sending guys over there to kind of spread the sport and spread their company. So they were reached out to by a company in Japan that's trying to start a professional league in Japan. And I think from what I've heard, essentially, they reached out to that company and they said, hey, send us, you know, a bunch of guys from the MLL, which is the, my the league that we play in, and they'll play against us. So we went over there as a, you know, quote unquote, Team USA. We're not the Team USA. You know, we're not the, the one that our country sends to play other countries, but, you know, a bunch of guys from the professional league. And we played against Team Japan. So that was essentially the reason that we were there is to put on that exhibition game. There was a bunch of national newspapers and it was on national TV there. And, um, you know, that was that was essentially the the pinnacle of being there. And some other stuff that they had us do aside from, you know, the touristy stuff is we went to a middle school the next day and kind of introduced lacrosse and, you know, talked to the kids and taught them how to play. That's so cool, man. I can't imagine like how awesome that part of the experience is like working with little kids and stuff. Yeah, definitely. That's that's one of the best parts is, you know, kids in the US, kids in Japan, regardless, they're always very excited to meet you. And, you know, they most of the time they don't know that, you know, we're just some guys working full time jobs, just trying to play a sport on the weekends that we like to play. So, you know, to to them, sometimes we're perceived as, you know, much more, you know, kind of almost Clark Kenny, you know, where, where we take off the, 
the suit and we put on our lacrosse gear and we're you know we're totally, someone more to dude. them totally so I, that, that's so so uh, that makes me think so much about uh when i was a little kid growing up i don't know if, do you remember the tv show american gladiators yeah definitely yeah so like uh next door to my uh, to a good friend of mine's house was one of the american gladiators and like i got to meet him one day and i just like i like couldn't believe that i was meeting an american gladiator you know and it's like looking back like that you know that's just a dude you know that would like happen to work out at the gym a lot and and got cast for this show you know but i thought that he like you said like i thought this guy was like a superhero or something like i i had no idea yeah definitely definitely so yeah so seeing getting to meet those kids was what most guys were saying that was the highlight of the trip because they were very excited and you know just spreading the sport is it's a good time yeah that's cool man that's really cool um all right let's start to wind this thing down sean i would love to know how you feel that lacrosse has sort of benefited other areas of your life how being a pro lacrosse player has has transferred to other areas of your life yeah i mean i would say number one definitely is you know the friendships that you make lacrosse is a small community so if you meet someone who plays lacrosse, you're more likely to, you know, be friends with them and, you know, playing the name game with guys that you meet nowadays is fun. You know, we'll be, if I'm traveling and I meet someone who plays lacrosse, I'll ask, oh, where'd you play in high school? Where'd you play in college? And then you get to, you know, name, name drop a bunch of your, your boys from school or travel teams and stuff like that. So that's by far the biggest benefit is pretty much all of my friends. Um, I've aside from my friends from my, you know, my hometown are from lacrosse in some way. Um, and you know, like we kind of went over a lot of guys have full-time jobs. So lacrosse is a, a definitely a good way to earn, earn a job. You know, it's, it's kind of a white collar sport. So a lot of the really good teams, D one, D three and division two are really good academic schools. So, you know, there's a ton of guys who work on wall street. There's a lot of guys who are lawyers or teachers and just have really good jobs. So a lot of guys definitely use that, you know, they use that alumni network for sure. either from their school or from just, you know, their friendships and from the sport itself to get really good jobs. So those, you know, those are the definitely the things that I've seen benefit, you know, after lacrosse is quote unquote over for most people. Do you notice a benefit in just your ability to be an awesome human being like is your hand eye coordination like absolutely ridiculous at this point or like you're you have like crazy laser focus or something like i imagine if somebody surprises you and is like hey sean think fast and you like throw their keys at your face like you just be like snatch and like grab your keys out of the air like so easily or something um yeah see, i don't i don't, I don't want to toot my own horn too much <laughs> but because it because it, it, honestly it's it's just as much as any other athlete i think i don't you know i i mean I've been an athlete my whole life. So I guess personally, I mean, if anything were attributed to that, I would just more attribute it to the fact that I've played basketball and football. Well, I guess I didn't play football, but basketball and lacrosse and soccer and stuff like that. So, you know, just as much as any other athlete. Yeah. But you are really awesome at stuff is what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't deny that. But <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to you know, blatantly go out that. It's very, that. very modest of you. I love it. Um, right. All right, man, let's go ahead and finish this thing up. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to play any sport professionally? I would say that's a tough one. I would say. I feel like you are the perfect person to give this advice because of the fact that it's like you didn't start until you were in high school and then like you weren't drafted right away and you just kept at it. And it's like you did all the right things to land where you were at. You were not just some like 
totally gifted, blessed person that was like handed this from the day you were born yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. So, so I guess, no, you, you, you kind of lead me into what I would personally say is I would say be relentless. So, you know, what, if you want to do something in a sport, be absolutely relentless in terms of being a good person on and off the field, be relentless in terms of the skills and the weight room and running and watching film and just learning the game. So, and, and for me being relentless, almost played the long game where I didn't want to give it up after school. So I went to Australia to play there. I didn't want to give it up after that. So I was, you know, I, I went to that tryout and I wasn't done after that. So, you know, I, I tried to use that connection to get picked up by the team in my hometown. So, uh, yeah, I would say kind of be relentless towards your goals, I guess uh, not to be too deep and philosophical, but regardless of whether it's a sport or not, you know? Yeah, dude, absolutely. So true. Um, Sean, this has been awesome, my man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes. Click on it. Click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.